0: with 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I know you are all obsessed with skincare as much as I am, so do not fast forward because this is a game changer. So I'm sure you've heard of Kula. They pioneered healthy sun protection and they make the actual best sunscreen. Okay. The award-winning sun drops, which are probably the best I've ever used. I think we can all agree that it is so frustrating to try a sunscreen you've heard amazing things about only to have it like roll and pill and smear your makeup. And these do not do that. They're actually such a good primer, or you can mix them with your moisturizer or foundation. They are sheer, lightweight, broad spectrum, SPF 30. And They have Kula's full-spectrum 360-degree technology to help mitigate the effects of blue light, infrared rays, and pollution. So you will love those, but Kula also has a great barrier cream fortifying moisturizer that uses ingredients like sea kelp and blue algae to boost hydration and help fortify your skin's natural barrier. And then one of my other favorites is the Vital Rush Skin Renewal Serum, which revitalizes stressed skin which hello is me. So, if you want to give your skin what it's really craving, check out Kula Organic Skincare on kula.com. That's c o o l a.com and they are giving you guys 10% off your first order with the code blonde. That's b l o n d e. Again, kula.com with the code blonde. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. I loved today's conversation so much. I'm talking to Cameron Rogers of Freckled Foodie. And if you follow her, you know that she keeps it real. And if you don't follow her, you should because she keeps it real. So a few years ago, she left her high paying, as she calls it, badge of honor job on Wall Street to pursue a career in wellness, which is really interesting to me to hear about because I think a lot of people in the past year have had revelations where maybe they realized they're not happy at their job or where they live or in their relationship. And there's a lot of fear that comes with that. So it's definitely relevant to hear how somebody else kind of walked through that fear and came out on the other side. And she also gives us some Wall Street tea, which I was dying to hear. And then we cover everything from finding body acceptance, what it's really like being a wellness content creator, the prevalence of Facetune and filters and how damaging they are, um, being bullied online for being outspoken or just really for being. I mean, we talk about getting attacked for basically just existing now and we talk about her pregnancy and so much more. Even if you're not in the wellness world, this is a really, really fascinating conversation and she has a lot of wisdom. So enjoy. So welcome, Cameron. Hi, I'm happy to be here. So excited to chat. Thank you for your patience with me. We started talking about this in like November, like around the election. And then I feel like shit just kind of hit the fan the last few months. It's
1: just yes. so crazy. So it's been crazy. Do not worry if there's one thing that I've learned in 2020 and I'm like trying to really take with me moving forward is that you can't plan for shit. Yeah. And like I lived such a control freak life of trying to schedule and plan everything. And I'm like, you know what? you just can't do it. And I just have to be more, go with the flow. So it is totally okay. Yeah. I'm really interested to hear
0: in your, hear about your evolution kind of from like your, your previous life, we'll call it yeah. finance. Right. And then how things have also changed for you this year. Cause you've had a lot happen. You're pregnant now. And um, I heard you on another podcast. I can't remember which one, but you were kind of talking about like how how you've evolved just in the past year. And I think we all have, I mean, under these circumstances, like, you know, we've all kind of been faced with our lives and and like had to change our perspective and our priorities and everything. So let's kind of start at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear about like your life pre what you're doing now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, but you like people joke sometimes like, oh, your past life. But for me, it really is so like past and present. And for me there, and maybe you feel this way, not that what happened to me is comparable to sobriety, but I do feel like there's a very clear moment where things changed for me. And that was, I was in an accident where I was hit by a car when I was crossing the street and like, I suffered from a back concussion and I'll get into all of that. But that for me really shook everything up. And so my former quote unquote life, I had graduated from college and I started working at J.P. Morgan right out of school. I had interned there for two summers. I was in sales and trading, um, selling municipal bonds to institutional clients. Not that that's really important, but I feel like oh, people always ask me about like, what stock should I invest in? I'm like, that is <laughs> not what I was doing. Um <laughs> insider (laughs) trading tips here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't have that information, especially anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was there for a total of five years. And in the beginning, honestly, I loved it. It was very up my alley. I think that industry really caters to people who are fast paced, competitive, team oriented. It's basically one big locker room. And I grew up playing sports my entire life, even through college at a D1 level. So I really... Like, performed very well in that environment and I succeeded, but it definitely sparked some of my not so great characteristics and traits and, like, added fuel to that fire. Whether it be everything has to be instantaneous. Like, I remember having conversations with my mom and she'd be talking and at a very normal pace telling me a story. And I'd be like, Mom, what is the point? Like, get to the point. What do you say? Because time is money on the trading floor, like, everything happens instantaneously and it just trained my mind even more to think that way. I was very type A controlling. Everything has to be done right away. It has to be done perfectly. Otherwise, like it's a waste. And I didn't know what rest was. I was getting up at, in the end, 4.30 in the morning and starting my day right off. And then like working all day going to client drinks, dinners, whatever, going out with my friends, coming home, sleeping and doing it all over again every single day. So there was definitely burnout and just, I think so much adrenal fatigue that like hit me once I eventually left. But in the moment, I kind of say that my dad and I left that industry around, he was head of a large credit card company and he quit to take a year off the same time I quit. And we had lunch one day and it was such an interesting experience because we used to get lunch in Midtown and it would be, we rushed to Dishes, this spot near our offices. There'd be a huge line the whole time. We'd be bitching about how long the line is as if it was like the worst thing in the world to wait 15 minutes for a salad. And then we'd sprint out the door and be like, all right, bye, see you later and eat at our desks. And we were eating lunch at a restaurant in the middle of the day, enjoying our company, not looking at our phones. And I said to him, like, don't you just feel like blinders have been removed from your eyes? Like, you know how horses wear those blinders? I just feel like when you work in that industry, it's very easy to look at life under this microscope. And that's all you can see. And the second I left, I felt like every day almost it was being pulled back and I was appreciating different things and I was realizing different things and I was noticing that the stuff I cared so much about was not nearly as important as I thought it was. And that really ranges like between all aspects of my life, whether it's finances or things like what I looked like, what I was eating, how many miles I was running a day. Like I was just very obsessed with it all. And I'm a numbers based person. And I very easily latch on to tangible assets like numbers. And so it was just a lot. And I think for me, I struggle with anxiety. And it, you know, I think just catered to that. And I didn't realize how anxious I was inherently at a baseline until I left. And I had started my count freckled foodie on the side just because I was going through, I think we've talked about this, but a lot of digestive health issues and just couldn't find the answers. And I was on elimination diets and the more I started cooking, the more interested I became in it. And I started this account as a total like side thing. This will be fun to just post photos of what I'm making because my friends were sick of me texting them pictures. Never in a million years did I expect to have a following or do this full time. And as it started to evolve, I realized that I cared and was way more interested about that aspect of my life than I was muni bonds or what was happening in the market. But my job was such a badge of honor and was so tightly intertwined with my ego because I loved telling people I worked at JP Morgan. I really thrived off of the money I was making. I couldn't imagine walking away from it. There's just so much wrapped up in that. And it really wasn't, honestly, until the accident that everything was put in perspective for me. And it was the wake-up call that I definitely needed, but was too afraid to actually like make the change on my own. And so I was on disability for two months and it definitely could have been longer, but I felt there was a bit of pressure kind of to come back, which is a different topic. But, you know, concussions and brain injuries are just a whole different beast. And there's no set timeline, which people really struggle with. And so I went back and I worked for a week and then I sat my boss down and I was like, so I'm quitting. I just, this isn't for me. And it was a shock to a lot of people but I just knew I had to do it. And so that was almost three years ago. I'm
0: sure every single one of us can benefit from adding more greens, plants, nutrients, and superfoods into our diets. And there is no easier way than with Organifi Superfood Blends. They are packed with plant-based ingredients in effective quantities and very little sugar. And you can just add them to water or nut milk or a smoothie on the go, and they are so good. So their green juice is my favorite. It's packed with 11 superfoods. It has ashwagandha, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. And I also love their red juice, which is also packed with antioxidants. And it's a great caffeine-free afternoon pick-me-up. It tastes like fruit punch, but only has one gram of sugar. So in the morning, I like to do a green juice smoothie post-workout. So I do like half a frozen banana, a handful of frozen blueberries, a little ice, some macadamia milk almond butter and Organifi green juice. It has moringa, chlorella, mint, spirulina, wheatgrass, literally everything you could want. So Organifi doesn't compromise quality for taste. They take pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to be less than $3 a day. So if you want to try Organifi's superfood products without breaking the bank, you can go to Organifi.com slash blonde and use the code blonde for 15% off any item in the store. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E and use the code blonde B-L-O-N-D-E for 15% off any item.
1: Okay. So there's a lot there. I just that, laid so much on there's you. There's <laughs> a lot there that I need to
0: ask you about. And I'm very excited. Yeah. But first, one of the questions that actually a lot of people sent in was that they wanted to hear like finance dirt. Like what was it yes. really like? Everyone in the always a asks. Lot of drugs. Like everybody, I think right now, especially because <laughs> everyone's bored at home, like in quarantine, just wants like gossip about
1: everything. <laughs> well, that's like your Q&A of Hollywood. Yeah. I was so addicted. I'm <laughs> like, Joe. You have to listen to what you say. He's like, I don't even know this. It like, I was like, no, no, no. Listen. So people just want the dirt. Yeah. Um, I can give you what I have. It's not interesting at all. So first, I will go back to my mom was a banker in the eighties on Wall Street. If you want to hear finance dirt, she is where it's at. Like yes. she was one of the only women on her floor. They were doing coke off of like the space bar on their keyboards at their yeah. desk. Like. She was the crazy era. you watch (laughs) Wolf of Wall Street, like she Mm -hmm. will be like, yes, this is what it was like. To the point where when she got pregnant, there was no maternity leave. So she was like, I will take six months. And they were like, what? She's like, and this will be our maternity leave. (laughs) And they were like, "Uh, okay. Like there was, it was just such a different world. Um, Right. So for me, there's this show... I think it's on HBO called Industry. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is also why people are so interested because I've been getting so many DMs asking if it's real or not. There are many things specifically in that show that are definitely true. Like there are so many things that were said to me that were incredibly inappropriate. You know, I had one client, he was not my client. um, He was another person's client and I was backing them up and I was at a steak lunch with them at like, where were we? Smith and Walensky's maybe? And I'm the only, like, I was the only female at our lunch, but like, that was very standard. Our team was mainly males. And this old fuck turned to me and was like, hey, you're the only female in here, like in the whole restaurant. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not that surprised. It's steak lunch time for Wall Street. And most of these people are men. Yes. He's like, I could auction you off. I'm like, (gasps) what? What? Like, did those words just come out of your mouth? And he's like, I was like, excuse me, can you repeat yourself? He's like, I could auction you off. Like steak dribbling down his face. I will Uh. never lose that vision. (laughs) And I turned to him and I was like, you can't fucking say that to me. And my trader like went off on him. But like, you know, another client once I was on, I was doing Whole30 and I was like, I'll come to dinner and drinks, but like, I can't drink. I'm I'm doing Whole30. And he's like, I don't hang out with you because you drink. I like to hang out with you because you're hot. I was like, you're a 50-year-old man with children? Like, there are just so many of those types of comments. And they weren't... I mean, there were plenty of things that were inappropriate that were said on the desk between team members. But like, I also played in that. I can't act like it was like just them. Mm -hmm. But the client inappropriateness was like a next level. The drinking and all that is very real. I mean, like people would get hammered and not everyone, but the senior specifically males would you know take their lunches in the middle of the day and come back a little sauced? Um, drugs were not a thing on my desk. I can say confidently because Muni's are like the least interesting, juicy group. Like uh-huh. across the board, it's old males. So like <laughs> that's not the group that's going to be like clubbing at. I don't know, like Tau or wherever right. avenue until 3am, like ripping lines of Coke to go to work the next day. Other desks, 100% that exists. But that was not my experience on my group, which I'm grateful for because I'm not someone... I learned very easy and early on that I cannot perform hungover. And I mm-hmm. like was really not in a good place one day and I fucked up a lot of trades and my lesson was learned. So I would not have done well on those types of desks. They definitely existed, not on mine. So I think if you look at the show industry, a lot of that like dog eat dog mentality and like the, you know, at one point I remember they, I actually stopped watching it because I was like, I just can't. But they had this one young analyst, like they were basically picking on her, putting her on the spot and making fun of her. Like that kind of shit happens. The sexual aspect of that show and like the over glorification of the drugs was definitely not my experience. Okay still pretty juicy. I wish I had more dirt. No, yeah, it's still pretty good.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that a lot of your identity, right, was kind of wrapped up in this job and the ego side of it and and the badge of honor. And I'm curious, I'd love to hear like how you came to the decision to leave, what those feelings were like, how you worked through them. Because I think a lot of people right now, especially in the past year, like kind of what we were talking about before we started recording. Are at this moment where they're reevaluating things and reevaluating what's important to them and what they truly wanna be doing and where they truly wanna be. And there's always so much fear attached to that because it's like the unknown and the uncertainty of you know changing things in your life and, and leaving something and starting something new, whether it's a relationship or a job or where you live. So how did you walk through that? And how did you know that you were making the right decision?
1: So the fear of the unknown is a big anxiety trigger for me and it always has been. And it's something that I'm grateful I've worked through in the past because of right now being pregnant in a pandemic, trying to figure out our living situation. There's so many unknowns that I think had this been a few years ago and I hadn't experienced what I did, I would be in a complete spiral. For me, going back to the period of me leaving J.P., I was in a place where I was doing, quite honestly, incredibly well at my job. I was in this like select group of the top 15 associates across sales and trading. And we were being basically trained and I don't know what the exact... Like manicured almost to be the future leadership and... I loved aspects of my job. I really did. But certain aspects of it just really weren't for me. And I hit a point where I was looking around and I was like, okay, do I want the person's job who sits next to me? And I did it. And I was like, okay, do I want my manager's job? And I definitely didn't. And and then it's also, do you respect the layers of management above you and feel like they're heading in the right direction? At that time, I couldn't confidently say yes. And the fourth question I asked myself was, do you love this product? Is it something you're excited about?" And it definitely was not. And so once I noticed that all of those questions were no's, it was really clear to me that I was only there for a certain reason. And I loved my team and the team aspect and the friendships were definitely a huge part of it. But most of it, if I was being honest with myself, was the ego and the financial means. And I don't think that can be totally ignored because the financial means are very necessary for people to live. However, I also always like to bring this up when I discuss this because I don't think it's mentioned enough and it seems unrealistic otherwise. I come from a very privileged background. I live a privileged life. I was able to save money. I was making good money, but I was also in a place where I wasn't paying off student debt. I was able to save money. And I had a huge safety net to be able to take this risk. It wasn't like if I take this risk, I might not eat dinner in a month. It was like, if I take this risk and it doesn't work, okay, I have something to fall back on and I can always find another job in the corporate world. So I think that's a big thing that I always like to put out there. And you know, I don't know where, what demographic your listeners are, but a lot of us might be in that same spot. I just always wanna put it out there. So for me, once I started really realizing that every down second of my day was going towards something that wasn't my job, I've always called it a red flag and I was interviewing someone and they were like, that kind of seems like a green flag. Like, hey, this is where my interests are. Let me follow it. So I like that term better. So I started feeling like there was just this magnetic pull of, should I do this? This is crazy. I didn't even know what I would technically be doing. And I don't know what you're, I forget what you mentioned when you started Blonde Files. But for me, like I was not making any money off of my account at this point. It was very small And my initial concept was that I would meal prep for clients. And so I didn't have some like business model, but obviously you need to assess your finances and figure out a way to make money. So for me, it was, okay, how much money can I realistically feel comfortable investing into my business from my savings account? What are my monthly expenses? And how many months can I live at like that type of life or cut back a little without making potentially any money right now? And then how can I make money doing this? So I sat down and at the time I was about to graduate from IIN as a health coach and I was meal prepping for all of my meals, my then boyfriend, now husband's meals and my friends. So on the weekends, I was like sending out menus. They were telling me what they wanted. It was crazy to think back on, but I was really like working two different (laughs) jobs and trying to plan a wedding this year. And I was meal prepping all weekend for friends at the Jersey shore at the beach. I was doing these huge breakfast at first giveaways where I was just making all these like smoothies, yogurt parfaits, chia puddings. And I was giving them out on the street of like the most popular street that people walked on in the mornings just to get my name out there. Then I started selling them. So initially when I was planning on leaving, I sat down and I said, okay, how can I make money? If I have X amount of health coaching clients a month, if I do X amount of meal prepping clients a month if I potentially get a sponsorship on one post. Like that was my goal in the beginning. And luckily, this job really doesn't take much overhead. Obviously, now I invest in people and systems. But at the beginning, you're not buying like product or you're not leasing a building to be Mm -hmm. an influencer. Mm -hmm. So there's really not a ton of upfront costs or overhead expenses. And I was fortunate that, like, I really took a risk and a bet on myself. I gave myself six months and I created this document that was like all of my services, what the pricing was. I created a draft email. I sent it to literally everyone in my life. And I was like, this is what I'm going to go do. Forward it to everyone you know. And it kind of spiderwebbed. And I started initially by doing meal prepping stuff and health coaching. And that then transferred to, simply and wholly content creation, which was like a whole different kind of job change. But I think it was just letting go of the ego for me and the expectations of everyone else. Because I've always lived a very, I have to do everything the way that everyone expects me to do. I have to please everyone else. I have to make sure that I am just doing the quote unquote right thing and not going outside the lines. And I just felt so restricted by those barriers. And this was the first time that I was like, I have the opportunity to do what I want to do. Why wouldn't I take it? Mm-hmm. And I think if you're in a place that you're able to make that change financially and like realistically, just assess what's holding you back. Cause for me, it was my ego. And I kept, I was so obsessed with what am I going to tell people I do for a living? (laughs) And like, I I just couldn't get over that. And it was something I dealt with once I quit. Like I, when people would ask me what I do, I would stumble, I I would be like, oh, well, I just left JP Morgan. My husband's like, why Mm -hmm. do you start with that? Who cares? Own it. So I think that the ego is a huge thing. And I think for me, honestly, journaling was a huge aspect of this. Just writing out everything, brain dump of like, Why am I feeling this way? Why am I so scared? What does it matter if someone thinks of me? Like, what honestly does it matter? And I hate to say that, you know, other people's opinions don't matter because or I don't care what people think. I I don't think that we should all live like that. But I think if you have a group of core people whose opinions you trust and respect and honor and they all back you, then the other opinions don't matter. The person who was in a different sorority of you in college, who's going to judge you, their opinion does not matter. Mm -hmm. Like your parents, your significant other, your closest friends, your siblings, maybe like those are opinions that you can trust and that should hold weight, but the rest of the world should not change how you're living your life.
0: As we age, you can start to see it in your face and feel it in your bones. And there are creams that claim they'll give you younger skin and energy shots that'll give youthful energy but let's look deeper beneath the surface on how we counteract the effects of aging. True Niagen helps us age better by supporting the energy generating engines that exist in our bodies, helping us restore youthful energy. Tiny repair enzymes work deep in our cells to help recover from lifestyle routines that are hard on the body, including sleep deprivation, an intense workout, or a poor diet. True Niagen supports these enzymes and is safely tested and backed by Nobel Prize-winning scientists. So age smarter with TrueNiagen. Right now, new customers can save $20 on a three-month supply by going to TrueNiagen.com and entering promo code BLONDE at checkout. That's T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com and enter promo code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, at checkout to save $20 on your first three-month supply. Again, TrueNiagen.com, promo code BLONDE. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So to that point I'm curious how you deal with the opinions of 50,000 people who follow you on Instagram um <laughs> you <laughs> this is something you know I I'm curious because like I have been struggling with this I feel like especially like Recently, I get that people are on are on edge, but the the trolling yeah. and the nastiness has been at another level. Like, agreed. I took, I took a few days off last week after I did my last assumptions because whenever you do like make an assumption about me, people are like, "Oh, you're a gold digger," uh, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but it's a lot of that, you know. And it's like, why mm-hmm. am I subjecting myself to this? I can handle it if I'm in a certain mental place. But after doing it once, I was like, I need a few days away from the phone and, yeah. and these people. And I got back on yesterday and literally I was on for three hours. Within three hours of posting, I posted a chia pudding thing. Some The, the chia community came after me for... Promoting Ugh. chia as a health food, okay? When apparently it's got lectins and this, that, and the other. Oh my god! Um, and then, like, I posted it on my TikTok as well, and I said this nutritional psychiatrist came on my podcast, Harvard Train, and people are like, "That's not a real thing," and but it was like so much. And then, what was the other thing? Oh, I posted that like I I saw a black cat, and then I sprained my or twisted my ankle, and people were like, "This is." Perpetuating the stereotype that black cats are bad, and they don't get adopted because of this. And then <laughs> like, I did it's more. It's just insane. <laughs> and then I did more assumptions, and people were like, "I mean, just terrible, terrible things about like me and my relationship and my husband." And I was like, "Why do? Why am I doing this?" You know, like I. I think both. about this
1: all the time. Like, yeah. why are we doing this? Right. So.
0: I'm curious how you deal with that because you're very outspoken about things that matter and things that are important to you. And you kind of, you know, you present yourself as like, I don't give a a fuck, Mm -hmm. you know, this is like what I believe. And I would imagine that you get some backlash. So how do you...
1: Yes. (laughs) So I think it's important to also state that I do find, I label myself or identify as a recovering bitch. I was not Mm -hmm. a nice person growing up. I think a lot of, That was that I was misunderstood, but I also was just combative for no reason. And I spoke my mind a little too much. So for me, I struggle the most, honestly, with these trolls. And they're not even trolls. That's the saddest part. A lot of times these are like normal people, quote unquote normal, but like they have accounts. They're not just like username, Mm -hmm. 75,000. I immediately want to fight them. I'm like, oh, take a seat. Let's go buckle up. Like that's my first instinct, which I don't think is the right thing. And I've really been working on this. And my husband doesn't have social media, which I love so much. And he is very much like, why? You know, we used to honestly get in arguments because he'd be like, why do you let it affect you? It doesn't matter. And I'm like, Joe, I understand it's easy for you to say, but if I'm talking about something and then these people are saying mean things to me, like obviously it's going to affect me Mm -hmm. a bit. Like... I I understand that you want me to move on and ignore it, but it's hard. It's easier said than done.
0: And Chuck doesn't have social media either. And he has the same, now he's more empathetic about it. But even like other people of that generation that I would tell and people that don't have social media would be like, you know, they put the blame on you. It's like, why? Yeah, it's like, well, what does it matter?
1: Like, because like
0: we're human beings, we're not meant to like have this kind of scrutiny and strangers, like opinions coming from
1: all directions. Not at all. So honestly, I've really tried to work on my response and how I let it affect me. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge fan of Dax Shepard, which I think I mentioned in our interview. And he said something that I always think of where he was like, if I got on stage and someone was yelling like, you're short, like you're so short. He'd be like, what is wrong with you? I'm six. I don't know how tall he is. Five. Like I'm not short. Shut up. And it wouldn't bother him. But if someone's like you always need to be the center of attention. Like you're so controlling. That hurts because there are things that he's already worried about or like concerned. Like there are just things that a part of him feels maybe something is true. And that's the things that bother me. Like the attacks, for instance, you mentioned that I'm outspoken on topics and especially what's happened in 2020. Like The attacks from old white racist women in my DMs telling me I'm crazy for supporting BLM or going to protests or saying that I switched from Republican to Democrat Party and that I think Trump is ridiculous. Those people, like, I don't care. Those, I'm just like, okay, take a seat. Like, let me lay on the facts. That's not inherently hurting me. The comments that hurt me that are the ones that are like, you're so privileged, it's painful to hear you speak. like, Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of guilt about my upbringing and wealth. And, you know, some girl DM'd me the other day and was like, the pregnancy 24-7, 365 content is insufferable. Like, yes. do you really think it's that earth shattering of an event? And I was like, oh my God. fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's an earth shattering event. I'm creating a human for the first time. And also the thing that just doesn't make sense to me is, and I went on this whole rant this morning on my stories, you choose to consume this content. Mm-hmm. Like, If I turned on the TV channel and it was a news channel that I don't relate to and they're spewing all this content that I'm just like, I can't believe they're saying these things, I would change the channel. I wouldn't sit there and watch it for an hour and just get riled up. So like I always tell my community that social media should be a place that brings you joy and uplifts you. If you're looking at these people's pages and you feel angry and you feel less than and you're like, want to throw your phone unfollow that person. And that might be me for some people. And that's fine. Like I'm not everyone's cup of tea. And I realize that. And... I think it's, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm preaching because I literally sent someone's story to my sister last night. And I was like, I fucking hate this person. Why are they so (laughs) annoying? And I'm like, why am I hate following this person? Like, it's such a weird concept, but I think that we all choose the content we want to consume. So I just will never understand the people who actively choose to consume your content, my content or whatever, and then send these types of DMs attacking us because they don't have to consume it. For me, I really try to walk through this was a practice that my therapist and I kind of came up with. i like, okay, what inherently are they trying to say underneath their anger? Because these people are angry who are sending mm-hmm. these messages. And I try to unpack maybe their thought process. So when it comes to the privilege comment, I get, um, you know, you're too privileged to be anxious, for instance. Mm-hmm. They're angry that I'm in a place on social media that looks like there are no problems in my life. And maybe I'm, I'm making an assumption, but they're in a place where they feel like they don't have enough and that would suck. And then why is it impacting me? And I try to in- unpack that. And for me, it's like, I feel a lot of guilt over the lifestyle that I live, but I really try to use the privilege for a positive change. And How can I respond in a way that's like not combative or just ignore it? Because we don't have to respond to everyone. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier said than
0: done. Good exercise. I have therapy after this. And I'm gonna be like, let's (laughs) let's do this. I just learned.
1: (laughs) So I got this message and I wanna I literally will show up to therapy. I'm like, okay, message number one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because you can get like a thousand
0: positive messages and then you get the one and the one. You can, I bet you can remember a message that you got last year that was mean verbatim. I mean, those are the ones
1: that like stick with you. And that's what Joe always says. He's like, but you get so many nice messages. Focus on those. I'm like, I'm trying, but for some reason.
0: (laughs) Chuck spoke at UCLA commencement like two years ago. And he said, he's like, if you want to, live a happy, productive life. You have to delete all of your social media. (laughs) And of course, like a room full of like 21 year olds, you know, and I think it was the school of engineering, like STEM, you know, they're all like technology. Um, They were like, and even I, I remember I was sitting there and I was like, I feel attacked. But (laughs) like days like, you know, yesterday and just recently in general, you know, just people are very like, very reactive, very combative, mm-hmm. um, and taking it out on like the easiest target. I think there have been mm-hmm. moments where I'm like, yeah, he's right.
1: <laughs> no, a hundred percent. Like, and also two other things I try to remind myself is that other people's opinions of me are none of my business. Mm-hmm. And the second one, and I hate when everyone's like, when people are like well, they're jealous that's why they're saying that. But when I think about what bothers me of someone, if I'm watching like an influencer's content who I don't like, and I'm like annoyed, it is rooted in jealousy. Like I can admit that. Yeah. So I think that sometimes it helps me to remember that on the flip side, if I'm getting these types of comments, like, you know, and look, especially pregnancy wise, people are coming out of the freaking woodwork. Some people are so offended that I'm on Zoloft while I'm pregnant. They are so offended that I want to get the vaccine while I'm pregnant, like mm-hmm. as if it's their child in my belly. Mm-hmm. So I realize that I'm trying to really work on this now because I know it comes, there's so much mom shame. And the second someone attacks my future son, I will lose my mind. So I'm really trying to work on it now mm-hmm. so that I can stay safe. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, there's so
0: much that's good about this job, but it also comes with like a really unique set of challenges um, yes. that I think we're just not like, you know, we're not evolved to a place where this is like something that people can handle. I can't imagine like celebrities who have to deal with it on such a large scale or just public figures that, you know, politicians even who just get so much hate, like constantly. I mean, I think at some point, like if you just don't read it. Like on TikTok, I don't generally read comments and, you know, I post TikToks about my plastic surgery and they get millions of Which views. Which I love. Thank you. But I know what's happening in the comments. I just don't read it, you know, for right. the most part. And then I'm like not affected, but it's harder to do that on Instagram when it's like a, a community that you're kind of trying to like maintain and, yes. um, you know, be kind of though, to people. I will say though,
1: I almost feel like ultra celebrities have it easier because they just have someone else run their page and like they don't care. Like that's not how they're like building a career. Mm -hmm. They live their life. They act. They do things. I'm sure like reviews of their movies impact them, but they like, what do they care if someone's commenting on their Instagram or DMing them? Because they're not even reading it. Like I think it's hard in our role because our job is building these communities and engaging with them. And so it almost feels like so personal when you're attacked because especially, you know, we put a lot of our lives out there Specific, like Not everyone does, but the two of us are very, you know, I would like to say that we're vulnerable and we share a lot. And it's easy for someone sitting behind a screen to make an assumption and send a mean comment, but I don't see them speaking to 50,000 people about how they had a panic attack and they chose to right. on medication. Right. So... This
0: show is supported by our friends over at NedCBD. As I'm sure everybody knows, CBD has become super popular over the last year or two and it just seems like everywhere we look someone is trying to sell us another CBD product. It's really tough to navigate, especially if you're struggling or you just want to try the highest quality CBD products. So, I talk about this a lot, but I was really wary of CBD as a sober person. I don't want to be turning to anything to change how I feel and I especially didn't want to take something that would make me feel like I was essentially on drugs or getting high. And I had a long conversation with one of the founders of NED and was so impressed with the ethics, the integrity, the thoughtfulness that goes into their products. And I can vouch that they have the absolute highest quality CBD products out there. CBD is good for helping symptoms of anxiety, stress, insomnia, nausea, pain, and more. And Ned's CBD is gently and safely extracted. They don't use heat or high pressure. The products contain zero isolates or synthetic ingredients, and they are fully transparent, sharing third-party lab reports on their site so you know exactly what you're getting. You also know exactly where it's coming from, which is an independent farm in Colorado. So they have a full spectrum hemp oil. They have sleep oil, which I love. They have a natural cycles line for hormone regulation. They have body butter, which is amazing, lip balm. And they also have some amazing products available for subscription members. Like recently they had a mellow blend with magnesium that was really, really good. So if you wanna check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, go to www.helloned.com slash blonde, or enter the code blonde at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. So again, that's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com, slash blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E, or use the code blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. So another, not to be like so negative, but another aspect of social media that um, you've been outspoken about is the constant photoshopping, the unrealistic body images. You did a post about Facetune that went kind of viral, right? Yes. <laughs> and so I'd love to hear about that because you just kind of learned about Facetune recently, yes. right? But I mean, embarrassingly like, recently, <laughs> <laughs> it is rampant, rampant.
1: So can yeah, you talk about that. Of course. So I I want to say like two years ago, and I think it's very interesting because it's like generational. Also, and not that only a specific generation is doing Facetune, but when I was in college. Instagram became a thing our junior year and we thought it was just like a photo editing app to filter photos. I, we there, there wasn't like a social aspect to it. Mm-hmm. We would bring our like digital cameras literally to parties. <laughs> I would take a hundred photos and the next day I would hook up my like, USB drive and upload the entire thing to Facebook without even looking at the pictures yeah. and title the album like 1020 party. Yeah. So nowadays I speak to these sororities a lot in college. I do like speaker sessions over Zoom. And you know, I'm not judging them because I do the same thing when I'm trying to figure out what to post, but like you take 20 photos of the same exact thing mm-hmm. and then you pick the Best one, then you edit that one, then some go as far to Photoshop and FaceTune it. Like it's just unrealistic. And for me, I've struggled with body image issues over, honestly, it was like right after or when I was still at JP, but like kind of then when I left and I gained weight and I just didn't know what to do. And then I was in kind of more of a public quote unquote eye with a platform. And it was just a lot for me to unpack. And I feel so much of the Term influencer is associated with this like perfectly put together, gorgeous hair, the flawless face of makeup, and a cute outfit. And Mm -hmm. I just personally don't resonate with that whatsoever. And I've always been someone who is definitely on the tomboy side. I grew up wearing boys clothes to elementary school every day. Like Mm. I don't know how to put on makeup. I don't know how to do my hair. And it's something that definitely makes me feel less than in comparison. Cause I'm like, how do people just know how to do this? And like, I don't understand that people will choose fashion over function. It just blows my mind. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of insecurity with in that, for me, of being a quote unquote influencer, because I don't resonate with it. And I remember someone sent a photo, of my group text from college of a picture of someone, I don't even remember who it was. And they were like, This Facetune is awful. And I was like, What is Facetune? <laughs> And they thought I was an idiot. But my one friend, it was like her group of LA friends who I think were like ahead of maybe where we were. And I just wasn't in that New York scene. Mm -hmm. So I learned what Facetune was and I was shocked. And then I started to look at, like really just look at people's content. And I started to notice that like lines were blurred in the background and they looked different on their stories than they did in their posts. And I hated all the Instagram filters because I would use them. And then when I didn't have it on, I'd be like, oh my God, I look like this. And I'm like, wait, this is what I actually look like. Like this is the real version of me. Mm -hmm. And so I started doing these things called unfiltered days. And it was the first time I ever would talk to the camera on my stories. And it was the first of the month. And I would talk to the camera and do like a background of what I was doing that day. I wouldn't use any filters and I would answer any questions submitted. That content just became my everyday stories. I still do first of the month unfiltered Q&A. So I save all Q&A for that one day. Um, But I have for the past year and a half committed to not using a filter on any of my stories. And I thankfully can say I've never Photoshopped or FaceTuned a photo other than the one I did to do a side-by-side that my friend Mm -hmm. actually did for me because I don't know how to use the apps. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was just getting so frustrated as a even thin-bodied person who has that privilege looking at content and feeling like, wait, why don't I look like that in a bathing suit? Why wh- why is their stomach like that and mine is like this? And then I started to really peel that back and realize that not everything I was seeing was real, which I know we know and we're told, but I still think that like we forget when we're consuming social media. Mm-hmm. So I texted my friend and I was like, I'm gonna do a photo shoot in my backyard in a bathing suit. Can I send you these photos and can you make changes so that they look like they've, like you can tell side by side that they've been changed, but an- not too much that it would be obvious. And then I'm going to do them side by side. I thought that like, it would kind of be like, okay, whatever. Yeah, we get it, Cammy. There's Facetune. But it really did kind of blow up. People were like, what? I guess my community is also unaware of Facetune. Mm-hmm. So we were like, what is this witchery? <laughs> but for, for me, I just feel like it's so unrealistic For a creator, I think it really sets up your community for a negative outcome mentally because they're comparing themselves to you no matter what inherently they are. And if you're creating a false reality of yourself, that's just not realistic and it's not fair for these consumers. And then as a creator, you're also inherently comparing yourself to past versions of yourself. If you're opening your phone and you always have on a filter and then one day you don't, you're like, exactly what I said. Holy shit. Like I looked awful, mm-hmm. but in reality you don't, it's just not what you're used to because mm-hmm. your phone is used to contouring your whole face.
0: It's crazy. So. I mean, there, there are some influencers. I'm not going to name names. There's one in particular, who's a big one. You'll, you'll know exactly who I'm talking yeah, about. I know who you're who talking was about. <laughs> like so bad with the face tune. And now she's like, Oh, well, I'm, I, she's like saying that she's not doing it as if she deserves a medal, but she's still doing it because you can still see. the And it's like, the thing that I don't get is like, we're going to see you in real life. Like what happens when people see you in real life? That's what I don't get. But like the face tune is one thing. The filters are another thing. And the filters are really insidious because I used to use them on my stories. Now, like I just haven't really been going on stories anyway, but Mm-hmm. If I do, if I'm going on and I'm talking, I won't use it. And I think like you and Lisa Hyam yeah. always does natural. That like inspired me. I was like, you know what, this is like absolutely oh God, ridiculous. You. Not only for the people who follow, but for myself because yeah, it's like if you're used to seeing yourself, you know, like the filters that like even the most basic it, it ones contours everything. Of, it contours like your nose will be a little bit smaller, your lips are a little bit bigger, like everything's smooth, and then. You see yourself in real life and it's like, huh, you know, but it it mm-hmm. shouldn't be like that. Or you like get nervous, you know, oh well, what if somebody sees me and I don't look like this? You know, it's totally. just like such a mind fuck.
1: It's such a mind fuck. I, really I think, think the filters are <laughs> Me too. I think the filters are almost more of a mind fuck for the creator Mm -hmm. and the face tune is more of a mind fuck for the consumer. And exactly what you're talking about when that person said, you know, I'm really going to make a better effort to minimize doing it. I'm still going to do it every once in a while. It's like she said to tuck in some belly fat every once in place. I was like, that makes no sense to me. And that's what inspired (laughs) me to do this pose because I was like, I just can't handle it. And, how do you make a better effort to not why don't you just not do it like right <laughs> and what you're saying of like what we get used to this is a really interesting comparison but like it's something I struggle with so I have this crazy eyebrow I can't wait to get Botox to fix it but like one of my eyebrows is literally whack like they are two different humans I know and two. one goes so crazy it goes so high it's absurd but you know how on Instagram stories it reverses your face mm-hmm So I'm so used to seeing my face on that type of reverse that I remember there was a TikTok challenge of like the flip your reverse camera or whatever it was to show Mm -hmm. how not actually symmetrical your face was. And I was shocked and appalled. And now (laughs) when I record, I do these like what the fuck is happening to my body videos about pregnancy. And I record those just like a Selfie video, not Instagram, because it's long form. Mm-hmm. And when I watch them, I'm like, "Is this me? Like, my <laughs> I look like a different? It's so weird that Instagram has literally trained my brain, even without filters, that just it's the reverse aspect of what it actually looks like. Right? It's oh, so that's wild crazy. Today.
0: I'm gonna have to try doing a video after. Yeah, I don't even know what I look like anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I need all of your advice for Botox everything. Once, I mean, my mom's been trying to get me to get Botox since I was like 23 years old.
0: And
1: my, wrinkle, my wrinkles are very bad, but I'm kind of thinking now, I'm like, well, what if I get it? Then I get pregnant again, then I'm going to have to not have it. And then I'll be so used to having it. <laughs> so it's something I'm thinking about.
0: Well, I am here for uneven brows. I have uneven brows too. My right You can't really tell in this video. This one has a mind of its own. And then this one is, this is my good one. This is my wonky one. No Botox can fix it. I got a brow lift. The brow lift didn't fix it. I mean, it's like, what is that saying? Like our brows are... Cousins, not twins or something. They well, should be mine aren't even twins. related.
1: Yeah. They're like long <laughs> lost friends. I'll send you some photos of the two of them when one's acting wild. But someone did message me that if your right one is the wild one, it's supposedly like you're tapped into some like alternate type of not power, but something. So I'm just gonna tell myself oh, that. All right.
0: Yeah, cool. run with it. We got a superpower. <laughs> So how has your relationship with your body, your body image, all of that changed and what the F is happening to your body now that you're (laughs) pregnant?
1: Oh my God, where to begin? Um, So I got pregnant on accident and I think that's important to say because I was in like the best place I've ever been with my body body image-wise and food-wise. And I just felt incredible in my own skin. I had gained probably like 20-ish pounds from a point when I was a little too obsessed with things. And I just felt awesome. And I wasn't thinking about everything I was eating. And I just felt very free. And I joked to my friends that the universe was like, oh, okay, you feel good. Let's give you the ultimate test. (laughs) And I got pregnant. All that to be said, like we were about to start potentially trying I got this for tests done. They told me I was in an infertile range and that I had to do IVF even though we hadn't tried. So I was like, well, I guess we can pull our method then. (laughs) And we got (laughs) pregnant two weeks later. So don't take a doctor's word as contraception is my lesson. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was a wild experience. I literally just told my mother-in-law on Wednesday night dinner that I was going to have to start doing IVF. And then she came back over Friday and I told her I was pregnant. Like It was such a turn of events.
0: Wonder if like once you did actually formally start trying, if like the stress of that would have actually made it really difficult. So maybe the fact yeah. that you just weren't.
1: Like, My friends say that all the flux. times. <laughs> My friends who have gone through pregnancy, especially struggles for, with fertility, they're like the fact that you weren't tr- like you had no stress over it. You were just like mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Um. So for me, pregnancy has been really difficult. Um. The first trimester was. Absolute hell. And I felt so ashamed by the fact that I hated it and that I didn't feel connected to my body. I didn't feel connected to the baby. I wasn't excited at all. I felt so stripped of my life and my personality and my normalcy. And I was like, what the hell is this? And why do people say that pregnancy is such an incredible experience? And I felt like all I was seeing was all this, like, I love being pregnant this is a miracle. And it's so amazing. And no one wants to complain about it because obviously people really struggle to get pregnant and it is a miracle. Um, But at the same time, you can be grateful and honest, but you don't have to be grateful and lie. So I decided that I would use my experience and share it because I felt so alone and so isolated. I had just gone off anxiety medication. When I got pregnant, I reached all new levels of anxiety. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was on the verge of a panic attack every morning. I felt incredibly depressed and alone. And I decided to go on a new prescription, which definitely helped things, but my symptoms were just horrendous. And I basically didn't leave the couch for three months. And it was just stuff that like, I never knew happened. And my mom feels guilty every time. She's like, ah, did I not tell you any of this? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you actually didn't. Um, between things like I smelled horrendous. Mm -hmm. I couldn't be around certain scents like without immediately feeling like I was going to throw up. People told me morning sickness is a thing. I was nauseous from the second I woke up until the second I went to bed. And I would wake up and count the hours until I could go back to sleep, which is like the most depressing feeling in the world. And then little things like, I remember one day all of a sudden I was rubbing oil on my body naked in front of a mirror and I looked and my boobs had more veins than I've ever seen on anybody in my life. And I quite literally screamed. And the next day I had a spider web as well of, you know, stretch marks, like just so many things happened to your body that I was not told between like, even the hair on your face. I'm just hairy. Like there's all these weird things. (laughs) And I felt so isolated in all of the emotions and that I didn't feel I was seeing a real side of pregnancy on social media And that's not to say it's not out there. I definitely wasn't looking for it because I wasn't trying to get pregnant at that time. And for me, I started weekly videotaping a recap so that when I announced I was pregnant, I could do it, share it all in like a real time way that I felt comfortable doing. And I told everyone close in my life that I was pregnant around week, like honestly between weeks five to eight. So very early, but I didn't feel like opening that can of worms to an Instagram platform. Mm -hmm. And the more I shared, the less alone I felt. And the more I realized that I think a lot of people feel isolated by all of these things. And unfortunately, pregnancy isn't always glamorous. But body image-wise, it's been so interesting because the first trimester, I really struggled because everything's just like swollen and soft. And I'm like, am I supposed to be feeling like this? Am I supposed to have this pouch? I, I feel like I look... Pregnant, more pregnant than like some of the people I'm seeing on social media and it's interesting for me because all of a sudden there's like a tangible asset attached to all these photos you're seeing of people who are pregnant because they're like 12 weeks, 13 weeks, 14 weeks and there's an immediate immediate comparison trap and everyone carries differently and that's something I've had to just accept like my boobs have gotten bigger than I could have ever imagined them to get. And I'm terrified for my future because I already am like over a double D and I can't find anything that fits. But like one of my best friends who's pregnant, her boobs haven't changed whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And like another girl who I'm close with who's pregnant didn't have one symptom her entire pregnancy. Like everyone is just so different. And I think that that's what I keep trying to remind myself. But in the beginning, I really struggled body image wise because I kept comparing to other pregnant people. And then second trimester has been, which is where I am now, kind of like this honeymoon phase where I finally let go of the comparison. I've acknowledged that we all have different pregnancies. We all carry differently. We all feel different things. We all experience different things, whether it's like even feeling a kick, you know, everything happens at different timelines for people. And there's already so much pressure that there's no need to put more on yourself. And now I'm in this place where I'm like, I feel the most confident I've ever felt in my body. I am in Florida at my parents and I quite literally, this is the only time I've been out of a bikini. Even if I'm working in the house, I'm in a bikini because I'm like, I look fucking awesome. I don't need to put on clothes. (laughs) And like when I wear regular clothes is when I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'm like, who who is that person? (laughs) But when I'm in a bathing suit, I'm like, hell yeah, I feel incredible. So it's just very interesting. There's so much to unpack. I have an entirely new appreciation for my body. and. You know, my belly has always been my insecurity and I've always said, I can't wait to have like a big pregnant belly because I feel as if, and a lot of people have messaged me this, like it gives us this almost like excuse, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to not have a flat stomach and you lose that like pressure to have a flat stomach because you're growing a life. And I'm here to say, fuck that mentality moving forward. Because when you aren't pregnant, you're still, your belly is holding like all of your organs that pouch is quite literally your uterus. Like your belly is holding your life. So it doesn't need to be this like flat washboard thing that we've been sold by diet culture. Like the concept that, Being pregnant is the only time you can have an acceptable belly and feel comfortable with it is so deeply rooted in diet culture. And I think this whole experience has been really interesting for me to unpack all of those things that I once thought, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, as I was listening to you, I was like, that sounds so amazing. I wish that, I I hope that people can have that experience, you know, whether they're pregnant or not and realize that like, we are all different. What you were saying about comparison and comparing yourself to other pregnant people. It's the same for, for people who are not pregnant, just, you know, living in this alternate reality of social media, that's not even real and comparing ourselves to other people, whether it's what they eat or what they do for exercise or what their bodies look like, you know, it's like, I don't know. I I wish, you know, I, I hope that everybody can like find that acceptance within themselves.
1: Me too. And I think the comparison trap is so real and it's so easy to spiral down. And for me, the most incredible thing I've done is really try to let go of that. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: if I feel like I'm comparing or if I'm critiquing, because I still have a critical voice, I don't think I'll ever be in this like, la la, I love my body 24 seven place. I think it's a bullshit scenario Mm -hmm. to sell people on, but it's, flipping that script. So when I hear that, like I actually vision a devil and an angel on my shoulders, when I hear that devil voice speak out, instead of going down 10 more critical thoughts of like, and this looks bad. Why did I do this? I should do more of that, which is very easy to do that spiral. I say, okay, stop. I acknowledge that that was a negative thought. Now let's affirm whatever that part of my body is. So mine was typically my belly and I would quite literally stand in a mirror and be like, I love my belly. I love my belly for allowing me to eat all the food I want. I love my belly for holding my organs. Like, you know, whether it's your thighs, some people feel uncomfortable about their thighs. Thank you legs for allowing me to get from A to B place with ease. Thank you legs for getting me out of bed every day. Like, I think I found this new appreciation and respect for my body after my accident because I couldn't go for a five block walk without feeling like I was going to pass out. And I was in this place right before that, that was like, if I don't work out for X amount of hours and run X amount of miles, then it's a waste, which is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I think instead of being so focused on critiquing our bodies we should be grateful that we are able bodied because it's a massive privilege that i think is so easily overlooked the fact that we can get from spot a to b without thinking about it we don't have to worry how we're going to get into someone's home or a restaurant or onto a subway platform like little things that we take for granted every single day i think should be the reason that we're thanking our bodies for functioning and getting us up every day and allowing us to live rather than like well why doesn't my stomach look like hers?
0: Yeah. I mean especially after this year like totally. Health is everything and and yeah being able to like wake up in the morning and go for a walk and get from point A to point B. And you know, I also have the the thin privilege. I've always been like pretty small every all the women in my family on both sides are very petite. Um, but when I do look back on pictures of myself, and I think you've had this experience too, when I was at my smallest or my leanest or whatever right. you want to call it when I was really thin, like I was miserable because mm-hmm. I, I was obsessing over like food and workouts. So it was like pretty much, you know, took up all of my free time. And it was like, I was just so unhappy. So, you know, again, that's like one of those things that people kind of have to experience for themselves. I feel like, you know, it's hard for for me to say that and to have it land with someone else. Like, oh, okay. Well, if that was her experience, then that'll be my experience. Like there's, you know, I think like you you were talking about diet culture before, it's ingrained in us that like thinner is happier. Totally. And it's just yeah. So not the case.
1: Not the case at all. And honestly, through a lot of work I've been doing in 2020, like it's also deeply rooted in racism if you really want to unpack it. So like, mm-hmm. I think there's so much to be fixed about that mentality. And I think we have light years to come. I think we're headed in the right direction. But I also think that once you let go of the obsession, like you were just mentioning, I was also in a place that I was just it was all I thought about what I was going to eat and what my workout was going to be. There is so much more important stuff going on in the world. Like once you start actually focusing and spending time on things that matter, not just how many miles am I going to run tomorrow? What if it doesn't go the way I want? Like you just start to feel a freedom and appreciation for other things. And you realize how important other things are and how much more interesting they are and how much more interesting Mm -hmm. you are no one cares how many miles you ran (laughs) so true and I
0: use this example all the time but there have been times where like I can be super wrapped up in social media and you know what I'm posting of myself and what other people are doing and I'll look in the mirror and I will like nitpick the f out of my body my face whatever and be super unhappy and then literally the next day I can focus on what I'm putting out in there you know helping other people Mm -hmm. like putting other people first focusing on my passions, whatever, like interests, what's going on in the world and look in the mirror and be like completely content. So, of course. <laughs> it's like really yes. like where we're getting our, our feedback from, I think.
1: Absolutely. And also just like how you're spending your time. Because when I have nothing going on, that's when my anxious mind starts to work. And that's when I start to think of, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in a week, a year, like the unknown creeps in and the obsessive thoughts. So finding things that you're passionate about and like spending time doing that instead of scrolling on Instagram. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was like in it yesterday when I was getting all that hate and everything. And I, at the end of the day, I was like, that was like such a wasted
1: day. Like it was And that's what I hate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever need a hype girl, you can text me. I love hype people up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could uh, talk to you forever, but (laughs) I think we've been going for like an hour. So um, where can everybody find you?
1: The easiest platform is definitely Instagram at Freckled Foodie. From there, pretty much everything is tagged, but my website's freckledfoodie.com. On TikTok, I'm Freckled Foodie also. And then my podcast is Freckled Foodie and Friends. I release an episode every week on Fridays and you can go back because Ariel has also been a guest and it was one of my favorites.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much
1: for having me. This was a blast.